Thank you so much. I'm going to ask Abe to stay up here. I need the elders to come forward. The last board meeting, we nominated uh, Abe Garcia to be ordained as a deacon within our church. And we would like to, to have his ordination service here. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Deacons must be reverent. Don't speak too loud. <laughs> not double-tongued, not given to wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith. And here's the mystery it says in verse 16. The mystery of godliness, which is that God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. And of course, Abe is present with that, giving Bible studies to be able to share that mystery to the world as well, too. It says also that uh, their wives must be reverent, not slanderous, temperate, faithful in all things. And then let the deacon be the husband of one wife, ruling their children in their own houses as well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ our Lord. So it's a sacred responsibility of being a deacon within the church. It's not just participating in the communion service and helping out. It's much more. It is upholding the standards of the church itself. It is a a part of the leadership of the church. It is to make sure that the church functions properly. Not only the plant to look nice because that is a witness to the Lord, but that we uh, strive within the church itself to keep that standard of Christ being high. So it's our privilege to be able to ordain you. If you would kneel, Abe, and we'll kneel around him and place our hands upon him. We want to have this ordination prayer for Abe himself. Move in close, gentlemen, so we can place our hands upon him. Lord, Abe has uh, been chosen by our church to be a representative, to be a deacon within the church itself. You have shown and have led him faithfully in his ministry and has shown his willingness to be able to support the church itself. And so the laying of the hands means that we are seeking the power of the Holy Spirit to anoint him now from heaven, to take his calling very seriously, not to be puffed up with vanity, but to be able to uplift the ministry of Jesus that he has in store for for him in the days to come. Lord, bless him and be a part of his life. Be with his wife who supports him as well, too, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Congratulations, Aiden. want to ask you a question. By the way, next week we're having a couple of baptisms as well, too, and a profession of faith. So the, the church family is growing by leaps and bounds. But I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this. Does being loving to others, fervent in worship, 
devoted to evangelism and helping those in need, does that ensure that we are fulfilling our distinct mission as Seventh-day Adventists? If you think about it for a moment, we rent the Fellowship Hall over here to the Worldwide Church of God. And if you was to go over there on a Sunday morning, I'll tell you that there is not a group that is more full of love than that group. It makes you feel welcome and feel a part of them, even though we have differences in our theology. If you was to attend Rick Warren's Saddleback Church on any of his many worship service on a Sunday, you definitely wouldn't see a more definite, fervent style of worship that would take place in that church. Billy Graham definitely has been devoted to evangelism all over the world, and he is known as the father of evangelism in the 20th century. You've never seen an outreach to the needy as that of the Salvation Army, because when a disaster hits anywhere in the world, the Salvation Army is there to work along with the Red Cross to be able to help those who are in need. So if they're doing all those type of deeds, why have an Adventist church if that is the distinct mission? Why did God need to raise up the Seventh-day Adventist church in the last days before Jesus comes? Well, we could say, and we talked about it last week, it's the three angels' message of Revelation 14, and that's true. We have a very distinct message that we are to share to the world that if you look around, no other church is revealing that message like what we do. But there is one aspect of the three angels' message that is just as important, and it describes those who are called to give this message. If you would turn to your Bibles, to Revelation 14. Revelation 14, and we want to look at verse 12. Revelation 14 and verse 12. We want to look at this because sometimes within our denomination we take and change this verse a little bit. And I'll show you why in just a moment. Revelation 14, verse 12, simply states, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. You know that. You've heard it before. Very important part of the three angels' message. But, like I said, we have seen to have rewritten this verse. By the way, at the end of the book of Revelation, it tells us not to add or subtract anything to these words. Many read the verse this way. We either whisper or we leave out the first half of this verse. We say, here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God. We don't say it at all. Because to many in the Adventist church, keeping the commandments of God is legalism. And we'd be rejected by the rest of the Christian world. All the other churches would reject us because we're preaching legalism. 
We don't like to be called legalists. So that's why we really don't want to mention that part of the verse. Let's take a look at something that the Bible has to say about the commandments. Because it does definitely say, here are they that keep the commandments of God. Sometimes it's called the testimonies of God. Why don't you take your Bible and go to the Old Testament to Psalms. Psalms 19. Psalms 19, and we want to look at verse 7. Psalms 19 and verse 7. Here is a description of the commandments, testimony, Psalm 19, verse 7. Psalm 19, verse 7 says, The law of God is what? Perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. God's law is perfect. Was Jesus perfect? Go to Hebrews chapter 4, if you're not sure. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. Hebrews 4, verse 15. Speaking about Jesus, Hebrews 4, verse 15. For we, notice the description of Jesus here. For we do not have a high priest. He's a high priest in the sanctuary in heaven. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Perfect. So God's law is perfect, and Jesus is perfect. Take a look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and verse 138. Psalm 119 and verse 138. Again, talking about the law of God. Calls it testimonies here, but it's still the same. Psalm 119, verse 138. Your testimonies or your law which you have commanded are righteousness and very faithful. The law is righteousness. The law is righteous. Was Jesus righteous? 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. 1 John chapter 2. And verse 1, John, who wrote the book of Revelation, who was given that vision, who said that in the last days there would be those who keep the commandments of God, he says this, in chapter 2, verse 1, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus is righteous. His law is righteous. God's law, if you go down, it's God's law is holy. Is Jesus holy? Of course he is. We could just spend the whole time, the whole afternoon, going through the Bible and discovering the description of God's law is also the description of Jesus. It's his character. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So in the law, in the commandments of God, God has revealed to us his character. So now when we look at the verse, 
Those who keep the commandments of God are those who are displaying the character of God. It's not legalism. It's revealing to the world His character, what He's like. Because the devil has always tried to tarnish the character of God. To tell him that he's not righteous, he's not just, he's not faithful. Everything that goes against God is saying it's against the, the commandments. And so what we're saying is that those people who are living in the last days are those who are willing to reveal in their lives the character of God. It's not legalism at all. But there's still a lot in our church and our denomination that feel that commandment keeping is legalism. Not really fully understanding that it's revealing the character of God in our lives. So they whisper that part or they leave that part out. Here are they that keep the commandments of God. It's a shame. But here is the other change that they make in that same verse. See if you can pick up the the change. This one they shouted out. This one they want everyone to know this. And here's what they say. Here are those who have the faith in Jesus. Did you see the change? Just one little word. Faith in Jesus, but the Bible says faith of Jesus. So which faith is it? Is it the faith in Jesus or the faith of Jesus? Too often we want to call it righteousness by faith. All I need to have is faith in Jesus. Not the commandments. Not anything else. Just have this wonderful, beautiful faith and that faith is what's going to save me. It sounds really good. But what it's really saying is if I have faith and I have faith only in Jesus, I don't have to change. I can keep on sinning as long as I have this wonderful, beautiful faith. My faith in Jesus is my righteousness. Is that what it's saying? That's not what it says. I must have the faith of Jesus. We call it, instead of righteousness by faith, it's His righteousness by His faith. We are called to live righteous, holy lives like Jesus through faith in the indwelling Spirit of Christ Himself. I am to live a righteous life because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Not my life is going to shine and keep on sinning. It is allowing the Spirit of Christ to take control of me and it's His righteousness that is living within me. 
And when His righteousness lives within me, guess what I do? I keep the commandments because it's His character that's shining forth. Does that make sense? Take a look at Romans 8. Romans 8, verses 9 and 10. Romans chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. The Apostle Paul is telling us what type of faith that I have to have and what it'll be like. Verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. That's when I have the Spirit of Christ controlling me. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. It's not my righteousness, it's His. It is a revelation to the world that makes an impact on the three angels' message that it's just not like any other people that are saying, well, here's the three angels' message and then that's it. And I'm like the rest of the world. I have my faith in Jesus. That's all I need. And I can keep on sinning. It doesn't make any difference. Don't look what I do. Look what Jesus does. And so and so and so. Anybody can do that. But we are to be here to vindicate the character of our God to a world who has believed for centuries, for millenniums, that it's impossible to live that way. We are to show to the world what a person is like when the Spirit of Christ takes over. And when that happens, the message, the three angels' message, becomes very, very powerful. Habakkuk has a very interesting message that comes from God. Habakkuk chapter 2. It's for those living in the last days. The Minor Prophets, Habakkuk chapter 2. And verse 4. Habakkuk 2 and verse 4. And this description of chapter 2 is, is a description of people living in the, la- in the latter days. The, our time period we're living in says, Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him. In other words, his, his life isn't taking control. But the just shall live by, notice the word, the just shall live by his faith. Not mine. His. Have the faith of Jesus. Not the faith in Jesus. The faith of Jesus. 
it is the controlling power of the Holy Spirit that is allowing my life to live and to maintain the character of God here on this earth. And that can only come through that indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Because that Spirit of Christ lives in me, I can face any challenge the devil might dish out. Because it's not me attacking the devil, it's the Spirit of Christ attacking the devil and the accusations that are there. I become the perfect witness in a sin-sick world because I'm allowing Christ's Spirit to live within me. I will keep His character, live His character in this world by keeping the commandments. I will have the faith of Jesus because His Spirit is guiding my life. Look out, world, because here we come. Let's take our hymnals. Stand and sing as a commitment. Because He lives, I can face Tomorrow, anything that the devil has, I can face it by his spirit that's living within me. Hymn number 526. sent his son they called him Jesus he came to love heal and forgive he lived and died to buy my pardon an empty My Savior lives because He lives. I can face tomorrow because He lives. All fear is gone because I.
Because Jesus lives in us. When I allow and invite the Holy Spirit to come in. The invitation is open right now. Come Holy Spirit into my life. I'm willing to die to self today and every day. So that the Spirit of Christ might reveal his character through me. Through the commandments of God. And have the faith of Jesus in his name I pray, amen.